Hello there and welcome to the Sound of Balloons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics. Callum Williams alongside Kendra D. St. Aubin later on in the show. We'll be joined by Colorado Rapids colour commentator Marcelo Balboa to preview the next opponent for Minnesota United who of course find themselves on the road this forthcoming weekend away at Colorado Rapids. First and foremost, okay, um, lots to digest and, and talk about over the course of the first segment of the pod. We'll talk about the forthcoming deadline day where Major League Soccer teams uh, can choose to make a, a move in terms of trading individuals and trading players in and away. Uh, that is the deadline on Thursday. We'll talk about that here shortly. First and foremost, though, the game this last weekend at Allianz Fields, um, we knew it was going to be entertaining, but 4-4 between Minnesota United and Portland Timbers, it was one of the most wild games I think I've ever seen in Major League Soccer. What a thrill. Yeah, and I think if you talk to either side or either coach for that matter, they're going to tell you that's not the kind of football, the soccer that they want to play game in and game <laughs> out, of course. you know. But yes, for everybody watching, we had a sold-out crowd. It was an amazing atmosphere. It was national television. So anybody that watched that game, and maybe it was their first time coming to Allianz, they got what they deserved and they got what they probably wanted. They got lots of goals and they got lots of good soccer in the sense that it was exciting back and forth. Adrian, he said it yesterday. It was like fast break basketball. It was six on four one way and back and forth. And at times it felt like there wasn't even a midfield. Um, and a lot of it was based on mistakes, which is also the coaches will tell you that's not the way they want to play the game. And Adrian Heath has said it. And I'm sure Michael Boxall, DeBossi, and the whole back line from Minnesota would say the same thing, that that is not the way they want to defend. And you are not going to go far in this league and you're not going to, you know, climb up, continue to climb up and stay atop the Western Conference when you play defense like that, I think the fortunate thing for Minnesota United and for all their fans that rarely happens if ever from this back line to have a game like that, where you're giving up four goals and you're making some mistakes or having some moments where you're not tracking the runners and, and keeping an eye on um, who's coming through the box and who's coming through the midfield for that matter, when they're trying to pick up players. So um, we'll chalk that off as a bad day at the office, as Adrian Heath has said for the defense, but the four goals, four quality goals, fun to watch. Um, and I think in the, at the end of the day, um, they're going to feel like they, they got away with one there, um, especially allowing a goal in, what, 20 seconds or what it was. Um, and they were able to kind of right the ship after that and score some beauties. And, and again, seeing Amaria, Fragapane, Longwane all contribute um, once again offensively is fun to see. I was going to say, it, it took Sebastian Blanco, as you mentioned, running through the midfield just 13 seconds to open the scoring at Allianz Field. Um, as far as I'm aware, that's the quickest goal that's ever been scored at Allianz Field. I can't imagine we'll see one any quicker than that. Um, obviously not an ideal start for Minnesota United. Psychologically, Kate, as, as a footballer, how, how do you get over that when, when that happens so quickly? Because obviously that's, that's the last thing you want to happen inside the opening 13 seconds. You know, and I viewed it um, as incredibly deflating. You know, I mean, you have all the hype music, you have the hype videos, you have the warm-ups, you have, I think it was Nico Hansen's playlist that was jamming inside Allianz Field. We talked about it. National television, sold-out crowd, these lawn activations going on that everybody does so well. And then the whistle blows, and I don't even think you were done with your opening statement for our radio <laughs> commentary, and the ball goes in. And it was like you could hear a pin drop. So from my 
soccer point of view, having been a player, I think that would have been incredibly deflating, especially at home. But I loved what assistant coach Sean McCauley said after the game. He said, look, you just kind of push that one aside and you know that your game plan hasn't been destroyed yet. It's not like tactically what you had set up to do had been thwarted. It was just a weak moment of time where, you know, a brilliant little combination play kind of through the middle and on the left-hand side that Portland executed. And it looked like Minnesota hadn't quite, you know, shifted into gear yet. And um, so you don't have to change what you're doing in that moment. You push that one aside and you get back on the horse, you blow the whistle and you go. And that's exactly what they did. So I viewed it differently as, as a former soccer player, I would have been like punch in the gut, incredibly deflating, but credit to them for not panicking and changing and, and trying to do anything different. They just went about their business as if it was the first kickoff of the game rather than um, they were already down one nil 20 seconds in. Cause I know how the energy felt in the stadium. It felt like there was none. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I think deflating is probably the right word, isn't it? That's certainly how it felt from our vantage point. Let, let's go um, into to negative and then we'll focus on the positive because uh, I can't um, imagine that there was a, a spell earlier on in the year, particularly given how Minnesota were playing in front of goal, that you would have ever said that Minnesota would score four goals in a game. And it's becoming, uh, a regular now where we're seeing consistent goals flowing in games for Minnesota, which is a good thing. But um, I, I think I said this on our, our radio broadcast. And my biggest concern, and, and I, I thought it was um, clearly evidence, um, when we saw the starting 11 for Minnesota United and Robin Lutz and Kerbin Arriaga were in the centre of midfield, um, that immediately, for me, uh, I thought, I'm not entirely sure this is going to work in the sense of, I wasn't sure he was going to play the deeper role. I wasn't sure he was going to be the more defensive-minded of the two. And, and I remember asking you once or twice on the commentary um, whose responsibility it is. And, and it turns out, at least from what I saw, that neither really grabbed that situation by the scruff of the neck because there's a reason why Sebastian Blanco scored the two goals. I think he scored a hat-trick because the third one deflected off Kamal Lawrence. I'm still going to give it him. So, um, for me, there's a reason why the number 10 in the positions that he took up was so active and, and why he was um, uh, able to get the goals that he did and, and create the chances he did as well. Um, I, I'm not suggesting that somebody like uh, Will Trapp is the answer, but, it, but it, it did, in my opinion, show how important somebody like Will Trapp is when you're a defensive-minded central midfielder. Because coming into that game, straight away, somebody like Will Trapp and, and the way that defensive midfielders operate, and we've seen it with Ozzy Alonso in, in the past as well, you don't necessarily have to be going in flying and making challenges like Alonso used to do, but just reading the situation, cutting off passing lanes, um, moving into space that makes it awkward for, for passes to be made. That's what someone like Will Trapp does. That's what a defensive midfielder does. And, and, and having two players in there that aren't natural at doing that, I thought was a little bit problematic for Minnesota United on Saturday against the Timbers. And I thought it showed because Blanco was almost given keys to the kingdom, really. And as I said, with, with three goals and an assist as well, it was obvious that he had too much time and space. Yeah, and we also talked about how Blanco likes to find the wide spaces. He's not a true number 10 that sits in the middle of the pitch. He likes his heels on the chalk in the wide areas. And we've seen a lot of quote-unquote number 10s do that these days. And some of it is that's where they can find the space. That's where they can find the ball. That's where they can be effective. We've seen Reynoso do that. I know I brought up Nico Ladero for... Uh, Seattle Sounders we've seen him do that so I, I think 
And that was a big thing for me. It wasn't just about who is going to be the defensive midfielder between Ariaga and, and Robin Lud. It was a little bit also of that's where some of the lack of um, marking, the lack of attentiveness, a lack of attention to detail came for the back line. You know, I know Adrian Heath talked a lot and I asked him about this yesterday um, at training is how much of the two holding midfielders that you had in that game, I'm just going to call them two holding mids and Robin and Ariaga, contributed to the lack of communication and the kind of the miscues on the back line. Because I do think even when Robin had been alongside, whether it was Rosales or otherwise, they had started to develop a little bit of an understanding for what everyone was going to be doing, what they were going to be doing in the game. And then Ariaga had been out since the LA Galaxy game early on in that match with the injury, and they hadn't spent a whole lot of time at center midfield together. So I actually thought that's where some of that came from, the defensive miscues and the lack of marking. And I agree with you 100% on Will Trapp. From a, a, a um, youthfulness and necessarily a talent perspective on the ball, does Will Trapp, Trapp have necessarily what a Robin Lud does with the technical ability with the ball at his feet to tight spaces to get out of trouble? No. Does he maybe have the ability to ping the ball side to side and switch the fields like Ariaga does on a dime? Not necessarily. But what you get from Will Trapp is the consistency factor. And you cannot downplay that or undervalue that. Is the consistency factor you get from a player who knows exactly what their role is, knows exactly what their strengths are, and knows exactly what he needs to do for this team to be successful and is incredibly intelligent. He's vocal and he's a leader. And you get all those things with Will Trapp. So even if we didn't have the suspensions to Robin or to Ray, and now we have Michael Boxall as well when we're talking about defensive responsibilities, even if we didn't have those, we were wondering what it was going to look like when everybody came back and was fit and healthy and available. Where was Will going to fit? Well, now we might know he might need to be back in that center midfield role. If he is able to go, that does allow you to push Robin back outside. I've liked him in the center midfield role, but it gives you a different look from that wing perspective, or if you play a four, three, three, or whatever it might be um, different than what Longwane gives you and Longwane and, and Fragapane can't play every minute of every game in those wide areas with the amount of running they're doing. So again, it's depth and it's quality and it's rotation and a freedom to change up what you want to do tactically. So I think Will Trap coming back into the mix, hopefully sooner rather than later, we don't know what his availability is for the weekend, but that would be a massive difference because much like you said, comparing him to Ozzy Alonzo in the sense that it's consistency, it's quality, it's leadership, it's he's vocal. He puts himself in a position to cut off passing lanes. He's not always getting the interception, but he's preventing a player from even choosing to make the pass or attempt it by being in the right spot at the right time defensively. So when you have a player like Will sitting in there and a player like Sebastian Blanco that's looking to pick you apart, Will is going to prevent that much of the time. From an attacking point of view, it was extremely pleasant to watch uh, from a Minnesota United point of view. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on, Kay, that the team went through uh, a bit of a glut in, in terms of that they were um, extremely blunt in front of goal earlier on in the season. Now, no such problems. Um, I don't think it's any coincidence that Emmanuel Reynoso has picked up form and all of a sudden the goals are starting to fly. But also the form of Luis Amaria, now with seven goals in Major League Soccer. He scored two, of course, uh, last weekend against Portland Timbers. We're now starting to see the centre-forward that I think many expected us to get. Um, 
and, and many of the coaching staff expected the team to get. Um, he's now, as we mentioned, I think it was on this very podcast last week, um, he's now starting to play off the shoulder a lot more. He's now starting to make near post runs. He's now starting to go and cut across centre halves. Um, and if you go back and you look at, I think it was the, the first goal that he, that he scored uh, when he gets across Nabiala, um, he, he seems like he's a much more confident individual. Um, but it seems as though, Kendra, now more than ever, uh, it seems as though he's getting into the right positions. And that wasn't the case earlier on in the season for Luis Samaria. And I don't want to simplify it because I think everything that you just said tactically is is 100% accurate for Luis Amaria. And so much of it is him feeling comfortable to play in the way that he is most effective. And we've seen this in any sport and with different players at the highest level, doesn't matter. You know, and maybe we could even say we saw it a little bit with Adrian Anu. When they are playing in a position and in a way that they are comfortable playing, they will be successful and they will be confident. And it's crazy the domino effect for me that this has. When a player is playing confident and feeling comfortable, being utilized in a way that they feel most effective and how they can contribute to the team and the team's success, it's, it's like it all just starts to flow. And we know that the game of soccer is about flow. It's about not overthinking. It's about reading the game, you know, with no timeouts and no stoppages, except when you have a hydration break. So much of it is just the individuals reading each other and playing on the flow of the game. And now you see that Luis, with Luis Amaria. You see it with Fragapane now that he's healthy and being more consistent. You see it as Longwane has grown into it in the young player that he is. So I think that when you see all these things clicking, Luis is being, he's not pushing too hard. He's not trying too hard to get the ball to make himself be successful, which in turns he thinks will lead to success for the team. He's not, you know, checking back or coming back to, you know, too deep into the midfield to find the game because he's not pressing for goals. He's not pressing to be a part of it. He's a little bit letting the game come to him by putting himself in the right spot and trusting his teammates will find him. So all those things for me is what this game is about. And that's what makes it so beautiful. The game of soccer is that it is about the flow. It's about the energy and reading the game and the confidence and not overthinking it and just doing what you know has made you successful in the, in the first place. And um, I love seeing that from Luis. He is finding joy in the game. And it's not just about scoring goals. It's not just about winning, although that, that sure helps an awful lot. Um, but I think you can just see a joy about the way he has gone about it, along with all of his teammates that are in and around him as well. Well, talking of bringing the joy, Bongo Griffiths Longwane is absolutely enjoying his football. Two goals in two Major League Soccer games now, and a first of its kind, Kinsra, a first-ever South African goal at Allianz Field. Um, and Longwane took it very well indeed. Uh, good to see the wide players contributing from a goal-scoring perspective as well. Franco Fragapane also on the goal-scoring sheet for Minnesota last Saturday. Yeah, and I think it's about the way they're scoring the goals to me. I mean, and the fact that Longwane was able to do it at home uh, in front of his faithful fans at Allianz Field, and I'm sure Twitter blew up because we all know the following he has in South Africa, and rightfully so. He's always got a smile on his face, but the way he played on the road at Houston then translated different formation, different opponent at home, not on the road. You know, other Ray was back in the game, which he was not in Houston. 
And he still found a way to be effective along with a player like Fragapane and along with a player like Amaria. So it wasn't like you put your star back on the, on the field in, in uh, Emmanuel Reynoso and everybody else changes the way they played. Instead, a player like Juanwane is continuing to just feed off of the success, read the right play at the right time, knowing when to go end line, knowing when to cut inside, knowing when to take it himself, when to pass. And I just think um, I was incredibly happy for him to do at home after we saw him be so effective on the road at Houston with a goal and an assist and then find a way to get it done at home. And the crowd just went nuts. His teammates went nuts. I still don't know what the celebration is, but it's hilarious. <laughs> um, I've yet to ask him about it yet. Um, but I think it's awesome. And he's infectious. His, his uh, personality and his energy is contagious. It's infectious. And I think his teammates were um, pretty happy for him once again. Let's focus then, shall we, on the upcoming trade slash transfer deadline in Major League Soccer. Um, again, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. The deadline is, of course, tomorrow on Thursday, on August 4th. Um, we'll start with Minnesota United. Look, it's no secret. It's been out there. Adrian Heath has spoken about it several times. Uh, they are on the verge of signing Mender Garcia, an uh, attacking-minded player from Colombia, from Once Saldas. Um, as far as we're aware, Kendra, He's an attacking-minded player, can play at centre-forward, can play in the wide areas, has an abundance of pace. This would be a good addition as far as from, from what we have seen uh, in terms of watching video and, and what have you for, for Minnesota United. This would be a good addition. Well, and I think anytime you can get an effective attacking player on your roster, it's going to be a bonus um, for any team in MLS. We also know that you never know how it's going to translate, how a player is going to be when they arrive. Um, you know, translating into this league. I know when I talked to Alan Benitez yesterday and just asking him, like, how's it been, the transition into MLS? Is it what you expected? How's the league different? How's the travel been? I know he's only been a part of the team for a little bit here, so he hasn't done a lot of the cross-country trips and things like that, the different climates and the elevation that we're going to in Colorado, for example. But I think that it is a challenge. So we're not just talking about a transition for a player on the pitch, but also just the overall style of play and the life that they come into. I love the fact that, again, it's going to be quality depth. And I know that people are going, oh, my gosh, well, we already have that player. We already have that. We already have a winger. We already have a, a forward. We already have, you know, everybody's. But the fact that you can bring in more quality depth as we can see guys go down with injuries. We see guys have yellow card accumulation. All these things that contribute as this last stretch of the business end of the season unfolds you want that quality and depth dj taylor came off in the what 60th 70th minute against portland timbers he's been working his tail off in that outside back row you can put benitez in and you don't lose a step in fact you might gain a little offense by putting a player like that in so again it's competition at training and i i view the same way with garcia i view it the same way it's quality and depth it's quality in um competition and you, if you can find another player that can find a way to contribute to the offense and, and keep the defense on their toes um, when you're playing uh, the opposition, I think that's a win-win. And hopefully it translates. We know, you know that the, the scouting department does their homework, and hopefully it translates onto the pitch for Minnesota United, and he slides right in and fits right in. We've seen how competition makes others kind of light up, too. Arango, we could talk about him with LAFC. And once the rumors started flying about Christian Bale, you know mm. what I mean? It, it, or Gar Gareth Bale? Gareth Bale, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Christian like, Bale might have right. a little <laughs> I don't know. It's Batman. I might take it. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I think competition and quality competition is good for everybody. Adrian Heath has been talking about it for years. And so I'm excited to see what he can do when he comes to this league. Absolutely. Um, we're, we're talking of, of individuals that have been scouted and, and big names. Uh, it looks as if uh, Gabriel Slonina uh, reports suggesting that he is off to the English Premier League and to Chelsea in particular. Uh, a flat fee of $10 million with the potential to rise to $15 million. 18 years of age, Kindra. Uh, already he's been identified and touted as perhaps one of the next great goalkeeping sensations to come from North America. Uh, that's one thing you guys do very well in, in this country and, and in this region is you, you produce very good goalkeepers. Um, so 18 years of age then, uh, and he's going to remain on loan with Chicago Fire for the rest of the season, to my knowledge, which is probably good for him because he'll continue to get consistent minutes um, ahead of a World Cup year as well. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that he's going to be a part of that roster, but he'll want to be at some stage. Um, your thoughts on, on a move to Chelsea then for Slonina? I think it's a good move for Slonina. I do think that I'm always a little hesitant with anybody, you know, especially the goalkeepers when they sign with these big clubs overseas. And we've seen it happen a couple of times now. If they're getting first team minutes and a lot of people will tout that they're in training with these clubs every day and just the quality that they're getting and the, the, the shots and the things they're dealing with that training compared to the league that they maybe came from. Um, as we know, the MLS has continued to, to rise, though, in quality. So um, I, I'm happy for him. I have to constantly remind myself that he's only 18. I think he was 17 when he played Minnesota United earlier this season. And I just remember that he ne never caught the ball. It was kind of a strange thing for a goalkeeper. It always seemed to hit his hands and it would drop and then he, and then he'd pick it up. Um, but he's only 18 and it's a goalkeeper. It's a very high pressure, intense situation. I think he's handled it really well. It's not been the greatest season for the Chicago fire. He was named the next greatest thing uh, from a goalkeeping standpoint in the United States. So if he can handle that pressure and go over to Chelsea and handle that pressure, then I think it will only make him better as an individual and as a player. And I'm not just talking on the pitch. I'm just talking as an overall player um, moving on and going to Chelsea. So I'm excited for him. I think it's fantastic. I heard every interview I've ever heard from him and seen from him, even before this move, he seems like he has an incredibly good balanced head on his shoulders and um, seems humble and he seems appreciative and he seems like he wants to continue to work. And that includes, you know, the possibility of being included at some point in the men's national team. Um, down the line here so I'm happy for him I think it's going to be great and um, I think it's also great that he stays here in Chicago in MLS for the rest of the season before he heads out to Chelsea but it was fun to see the pictures of him holding up the jersey and and signing the contract I think anytime you can have a, a U.S. player um, and an American player signing for a big club overseas I think that's a good a good thing yeah absolutely I'm sure he'll become very well acquainted with Christian Pulisic uh, during his time in London but but the, the thing is for me here, okay, is as we said, he's 18. He's going to stay on, on loan at Chicago Fire and, and, and get the first two minutes that he, that he needs. Um, we've seen so many young players, not just Americans, young players go to Chelsea and, and, and not make the, the first team. Um, it's a difficult team to break into. Chelsea are a, a Champions League regular. They are um, always challenging for the top four at times at the Premier League title itself. Um, it's a difficult team to get into. The good thing about Slonina is he has time and he's going to go out on loan. Like there's, there's no question about it. He'll go out on loan, much like um, Matt Miazga did, the US centre-back. Um, and he's found himself in, in various different pockets of Europe over the course of the last couple of years. 
Um, there's a debate there to be had whether or not that, that was a good move for him or not. And would he have been better off just staying in MLS or indeed just, just making a, a move permanent elsewhere? Uh, I know he did eventually, but um, uh, that, that's the counter argument to this that I can, I can see and I can understand. Um, but I do think at, at the age of 18, uh, and, and I would assume going on over the next couple of years, he'll, he'll go out on loan. And he'll play in, I would assume, let's just say he goes and plays in the Dutch Eredivisie. He goes and plays uh, in the Belgian top flight. Maybe he goes and, and finds a loan spell somewhere in Spain or in Italy or somewhere. Um, for the most part, uh, through those, those leagues that I just mentioned, um, the teams that I'm assuming he would go to would arguably be a better level than Major League Soccer. And that's the reason why he's gone. But at the same time, if he goes uh, to a club, let's just say Vitesse Arnhem in, in the Dutch Eredivisie, uh, who Chelsea have a relationship with and they've loaned a lot of their younger players to uh, over the course of, of the last 10 years or so. For me, that, that is not a better level than Major League Soccer playing for, for a team like that every, every week. Um, I think at that point, it becomes about a life experience, um, which is only good for, for building characteristics as well. Um, I think more than anything, the good thing for, for me here is that he's backed himself because you have to be confident. You have to back yourself to make a move like this. And I, and I know you can't turn down a move like this. It's Chelsea. You can't turn down a move like this. Uh, but I'll be very interested to see what Slonina looks like in about five years' time when he's going to be 23. Um, I wonder at that stage, will he have disappeared off the radar somewhat because he, he hasn't been getting many first-team minutes? Or... Will he have had tremendous success in various different loan spells? And will whoever the head coach is of the United States men's national team at the time be thinking, right, OK, this, is, this individual has to be a regular uh, in the squad. It'll be really interesting. But um, it's a movie can't turn down. It's as simple as that. And, and fair play to him for backing himself, in my opinion. Um, it, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with him for sure. Well, and when 2026 rolls around, you know, I mean, you know, as, as any athlete, you have to have goals that are right in front of you and they have to have some longer term goals, assuming that you're going to continue to strive to that. And, and we don't know what his end game is. We don't know what the conversation was with Chelsea to make him sign there about where he could possibly be going on loan next year. I would assume some of those conversations have been had to your point about is the league better than, or not than MLS that he's going to be loaned to. You would assume that some of those conversations have been had. And I also know that Greg Berhalter has said, I believe he said it the other day um, on a podcast with Alexi Lawless, he does pay attention to where these players are playing and what league they are playing in as far as quality of competition. And he said he even saw, I believe it was Zach Steffen, you know, grow quite a bit in his first year away with Man City in the training, even though he wasn't getting first team minutes when he came back into camp the next time, who, how he grew as an individual and as a player. So, you know, all these conversations, I'm sure Gaga Slonina has an insane amount of conversations going on in his own head, plus with others trying to listen to the national team, trying to listen to, you know, people from Chicago Fire, trying to listen to Chelsea, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's a lot to take in um, as a young man, as an 18 year old. So we'll see. Only time will tell. But hopefully you just hope that it ends up on the right side of things for a player like that. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how Slonina does over the course of the next couple of years. Um, Let's move on. Uh, and in terms of uh, activity around the league, and indeed several coming into the league, uh, Felipe Gutierrez has moved to the Colorado Rapids. The former Sporting Kansas City midfielder uh, has joined on loan for the rest of the season from Universidad Católica in Chile. We'll talk to Marcelo Balboa uh, a little later on about that for sure. Um, 
as we mentioned, it is deadline day uh, on Thursday. So moves are happening as, as we're doing this podcast as well. We'll get to one uh, here shortly that we've, we've just been made aware of. But the, the one that has caught the headlines in MLS over the course of the last few days, Kay, uh, has been LA Galaxy spending $4 million on Ricky Puj, who has come in from Barcelona, um, a player that has played significant minutes for Barcelona. I think it was over 20 appearances last year in La Liga. Um, he's a deep-lying midfielder. He's somebody that can create for sure. Um, and fair play to LA Galaxy for going and, and having the ambition to even ask the question of Barcelona about this. $4 million, we're hearing, is the transfer fee for Ricky Puj. What do you think the conversation was there and who initiates that when you say that fair play to Galaxy for even asking the question? Do you think that is how that comes about? And I have no inside knowledge of anything. But for players like this, of this kind of ilk, and I know it's LA Galaxy, we always deal with this with the LA teams and whatnot. But where, where does that come about that they think that a player like this at his age and his quality has an interest of coming to MLS at this moment in his career? Yeah, because as far as I'm aware, he's in his early 20s as well. Uh, 23, I think he is. Yep. Um, it could be a number of things, couldn't it? It could be the player saying, I, I fancy a move. Uh, and, and in particular, I fancy a move to Major League Soccer. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it's the agents, actually, just just um, touting the player out, just saying, uh, look, I've got this player available. Uh, he's looking for a move. And he mentions that to several teams around the globe um, because this player wouldn't have been short of options for sure. And I bet you there's a lot. I mean, I haven't looked, but I bet you there's a lot of potential European suitors that have thought to themselves, huh, we might have missed that one for sure. Um, but the Galaxy may very well have been the only team that wanted to spend the money on him as well. So it depends. It, it could have come from a number of different angles, but but. Honestly, it's a really, really good signing. I think it's an ambitious signing from LA Galaxy. And they need something at the moment, Kay, because it's not been a great year for them. Well, and throwing him in the mix, um, again, going back to my point about not everybody translates into this league and a young player, clearly high quality, but that's a lot of money to spend on uh, on a young player. But I, I do think, again, if you can get an exciting player that comes from a club like that and can contribute right away to a Galaxy team that Greg Vanny is still trying to figure out. I mean, who had the post-game quotes the other day on television that just like lit the locker room on fire? I forget who it was. One of the veteran, was it a, a defender? Was basically like, Greg Vanny, they have a game plan every week. And then we all go out there and just do our own thing. You know, mm. so like clearly something is not right and jiving within that locker room, within that quote unquote clubhouse, as we like to call it. So you just wonder, um, maybe they just need a, a I, I don't know. I mean, I, I am going to enjoy watching him play in this league. And I think that he is a, another massive contribution. I said, think it says a lot about this league that he's choosing to come here. And I know it's $4 million, but to come here instead of a different league around yeah. the world, I think that just says a lot about uh, this league itself. And it's another ringing endorsement for why a player of 23 at, of his caliber is coming here rather than a little bit older in age. Um, I think it says a lot about the league and it's going to be fun to watch, but LA galaxy are hurting for something to find some consistency in this business end of the season. We've seen a, a couple of these moves in the past when, when teams, uh, when, when players rather that are on the, the Barcelona squad can't quite get into the first team, uh, are, are in between the, the first team and Barcelona B. Um, but Ricky, um, Ricky Puj was absolutely a part of the first team with Barcelona. He wasn't on the pre-season roster, which I thought was interesting. Um, so I think this has been clear for a while. Maybe Xavi has said to him, look, you're not a part of my plans. 
uh, and at the age of 23, you can understand why he's probably more than likely said to his agent, I, I need a move. And, and all of a sudden this has happened. But we, we've seen these moves before uh, and a player like this has gone to uh, Club Brugge in, in Belgium. They've gone to Ajax in the Dutch Eredivisie or they've gone uh, to a team that's just been promoted to the English Premier League or something, you know. So you, you're right in the sense of it says a lot about Major League Soccer now and the fact that they're competing and able to bring in players like this. That's only going to continue to grow as well. Uh, we, we don't need to tell you, the listener, how, how quickly Major League Soccer is growing. It, it's obvious now for anybody that can't see it. Uh, you may need a good pair of glasses. Um, in terms of other moves, though, Kay, the one that uh, you text me about uh, during the recording of this podcast, uh, Sebastian Lejets, after only just joining New England Revolution at the start of the campaign, he's off. He's heading to FC Dallas. $600,000 in general allocation money is the reported fee. Um, I guess the first question I've got on this one is why? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> and I honestly, I mean, you and I were talking about Josie Altador the other day, you know, going to Liga MX. And when when Josie Altador went to New England Revolution, Sebastian Legette goes to New England Revolution. I'm thinking this is these are Bruce Arena guys, right? I mean, mm-hmm. these are Bruce Arena guys. And I'm thinking this is where they want to be because they feel like Bruce Arena can bring the best out of them and contribute to a new England revolution team that was flying on all cylinders last year. Now, currently they're sitting in ninth position on the 27 points. So they're not much below the playoff line, but I I just wonder if this was, this is more an FC Dallas thing and less a new England revolution thing. And that's, I think this is a different situation than the Josie Altador move. Cause I don't think Josie Altador was working in new England revolution. That's just my personal opinion um, with the other pieces that they had there. But I really saw Sebastian Lejet working with New England Revolution, with Carlos Heel, with Gustavo Bo. I, I saw him, you know, I thought that would be a good fit for how Bruce Arena wants to play. But some offers are just too good to be true. And FC Dallas made a move, a bold move, and they just got better. And oh, by the way, they're in the Western Conference. So um, I'm not sure, once again, how these kinds of things come about. But I think it shows you that there are moves to be had and to be made within the league that can be incredibly effective. Mark Anthony Kay going to Toronto FC. And I know that's Bob Bradley and he played with him at LAFC. So there's a familiarity there, but there are moves to be made and quality within this league that you can move players within the league during these, these deadlines and these transfer windows um, or, or just whenever is capable or when possible for the league and find yourself a pretty good quality player. It doesn't all have to be overseas and international, in my opinion. And I think Legit is going to make FC Dallas better. Um, and they have Paul Ariolo, who FC Dallas has been made better by in that massive move that mm. they made um, in the offseason from DC United. So it's going to be interesting to see how FC Dallas looks next time uh, Minnesota United or next time we watch them, even for that matter. They played last night against Seattle, correct? Yes, that and they the lost, second, yeah. yeah, they lost. That was the second game um, last night. But it'll be interesting to see what this does for them moving forward. Um, before we move on, and we'll talk briefly about Colorado Rapids before the break, and then we'll hear from Marcelo Balboa. Uh, $600,000 in general allocation money. We're still yet to really understand how much that, that is and what that actually means in the real market, I think we'll call it. Uh, but in the Major League Soccer market, six hundred grand in allocation. Is that a fair price for Sebastian Lodget? I think so. I mean, what was Paul Ariola? A million? Yeah. 
You know what I mean? And that was, that was like crazy, right? At that moment, I think it was a record-breaking number for general allocation money. I mean, I think it's a fair price for Sebastian Legette. And I think sometimes it's what the value is to the team you're coming into. Maybe he wasn't, you know, maybe like a a New England Revolution doesn't value him as much as what FC Dallas values him as because he fills a hole that they need. But to me, I think that's a fair price for Sebastian Legette. I think he'll be phenomenal for FC Dallas. Um, and I, you know, it's, I'm sad to see him back in the Western conference in that regard, because mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a tough one for Minnesota United. What do you make of the move or why it happened and the price he went for? I, I think obviously Bruce Arena brought him into the revs because he trusted him, um, obviously with what he, he did and his contributions with LA galaxy. Let's not forget, as you sort of insinuated, um, Bruce Arena brought him to the galaxy, uh, back in 2014. Uh, when he he was sort of trying desperately to get into the first team at West Ham United and it didn't really work um, for him over in England. Um, and he, he was, um, I don't think it's unfair to call him a revelation. I thought he did really, really well at the Galaxy and, and he's had a couple of good years, uh, one or two off-seasons for sure, uh, but he's had a, a good year and, and in my opinion, if he stays free from injury, uh, should be a part of, of the roster heading to the World Cup for, for the United States. Um, I think he's that effective, but... Um, he had a couple of injuries this season. He wasn't guaranteed first-team football at the Revs, I don't think, this season. I, I think Bruce Arena may very well have said something along those lines um, with, with the likes of, of Carlos Gil, uh, Gustavo Bow, uh, and the wide players as well, all playing underneath the centre-forward. Um, I don't think he was guaranteed to start every single game. And, and I, I'm wondering if Bruce just thought, I'm going to cash in on this player now. I don't know what his contractual situation is as well. Maybe his deal's up at the end of the year and the Revs thought, right, we'll, we'll just cash in now whilst we can. I don't know. But I think um, I think 600 grand is is good valuation for somebody who, in my opinion, is is a, going to be a part of the national team uh, for, the, for the forthcoming World Cup. Um, he, he's obviously effective in Major League Soccer. Um, I think it's a good price. Uh, but, but I also think the Revs kind of thought to themselves, right, let's cut our losses here. Um, it, it, it sort of worked a little bit, but let, let's try and get some money. And they've got a good chunk of money here. And I think it's a good deal, ultimately. So we'll wait and see. And as you say, it certainly makes FC Dallas better. So um, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, so moving on then, and we'll stay in the Western Conference. Uh, as we mentioned several times, now, Minnesota, of course, on the road this weekend to Colorado Rapids. Um, we'll talk more in depth after the break. But before we do go to break, Kay, um, Minnesota United, of course, without three players this forthcoming weekend. Emmanuel Reynoso, uh, Michael Boxall and Robin Lourdes all suspended because of yellow card accumulation. Um, Not ideal timing for all three to be out at the same time. How do Minnesota start to think about tackling this particular issue? I think that's that's a tricky one for Adrian Heath in the sense that we know that Ja'Cory Hayes was lost in the Everton match. We know that Will Trapp is still dealing with a hamstring injury. And again, I have no knowledge of what his availability is for the weekend. But I do think, yeah, it's not ideal to have Robin and um, Reynoso out. Reynoso just missed the Houston Dynamo game with a little bit of a niggle on his ankle from the, the Everton game, but was getting back in. And so he had already just had basically a week off. So, and then you're basically talking about the spine of your team. You know, now you've brought, now Michael Boxel is out for a game. So 
I think to me, um, this this is an opportunity for Brent Coleman to step into that center back role. We also know that Nabi Laikibanguchi can play center back. He can play a holding mid or a center mid in some way, shape, or form. He could even play really an eight, like more of a box-to-box midfielder if necessary. We'll see if Ariaga and Will, I mean, not Will Trap, excuse me, but Ariaga and Rosales, how they fill that void in the center midfield. So I think the thing is, is that you have options Um, But going on the road to Colorado in that elevation, to me, it's going to be very similar to Houston Dynamo and not in the sense that it's clearly not the same environment, but you're on the road in a very difficult place to play with a shortened, you know, roster. This is where you maybe go on the road and you play a 4-3-3, maybe you change the formation a little bit. You try to go in there. Of course, you're thinking three points, but if you can come away with one, Colorado played a midweek game in the sense that they played on the road at New York Red Bulls last night. This is one of those things you kind of go out with your front foot and you say, we're going to play with what we got. We got Rosales. We've got Ariaga. We've got Kevin Gucci. We, Brent, we have Brent Coleman. Um that can play center back. I, I think that that's what you got to look for and try to just capitalize on that and possibly a four, three, three, as far as I know, Longwane, Fragapane, Amaria, those guys are all available. And maybe that's where your goals need to come from. Much like the Houston game, you get out on the break in moments with that group going forward. Abu came in in that game against Houston on the road and provided some really nice runs off the ball to open up the space for the others. That's how I would view it going on the road to Colorado with this shortened team and this shortened bench. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, It it wouldn't surprise me at all if it looked similar to Houston Dynamo. uh, You would assume, and again, I certainly have no knowledge, uh, not not in Minnesota at the moment, so neither of us know what the first team will be and what it looks like. But the assumption is, after the performance where Kibanguchi did okay in Houston, he wasn't spectacular, but he did okay and proved that he can play at this level, you'd assume he'd come into the centre of midfield, Arriaga and, and Rosales maybe into a midfield three. The front three doesn't need changing. Brent Coleman would come in and replace him, Michael Boxall, and that would be about that, really, wouldn't it? It would, and the only other one would be if he stays with DJ Taylor on the outside or, or gives Alan Benitez an opportunity to start. And I think, you know, we know Adrian doesn't want to break anything. He doesn't, you know, change anything if you don't have to. But also these might be those moments that you could rotate the right back position um, and maybe, you, you know, have DJ Taylor on the bench, not because of his performance, just based on rest and minutes and giving Benitez an opportunity to start a game and how does he do starting as opposed to coming off the bench that's a completely different feel it's a different kind of preparation a different kind of confidence um, in the individual so this could be an opportunity to give him a chance to maybe start in that right back role that would be the only other thing that I could really see that would be uh, maybe different from the lineup that you just started I have no knowledge of that but I think that is why you brought in Benitez that's why you have depth in that right back position. Okay, well, let's take a break, shall we? And we'll dive deeper into that game. Minnesota on the road to Colorado Rapids with the Rapids analyst, Marcelo Balboa, next on the Sound of the Loons podcast. When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho.
Hello there and welcome back to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics. Callum Williams alongside Kendra D. St. Aubin. Delighted now to be joined by US soccer legend and Mr. Soccer in Colorado. An all-round nice guy, Marcelo Barbaro. Marcelo, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for that introduction. All-around nice guy. Wow. All right. Let's go. <laughs> Always appreciate it when you join us. Um, so go on then. I think um, the, the obvious question that we have to start with is talk us through the unreal game last night in New York. I think when everybody <laughs> saw the scoreline, they couldn't believe it. Talk us through the actual game itself. Uh, you know what? We couldn't believe it either. There was, uh, it, it was, it, it was the weirdest game. Colorado's down uh, two nothing. All of a sudden, the goalkeeper from from the Red Bulls plays the silly ball out into the middle to their six, and I think Casares loses it. We get it back. Rubio scores two to one. It was just a a, a lot of mistakes. Uh, a lot of teams that were willing to attack. Two teams that wanted to attack and didn't defend great. A lot of individual mistakes. I think out of the nine goals, I think four of them or five of them were deflected just enough to throw the keeper off. So I, I got to be honest with you. I mean, it's great that Colorado came out with the three points, but uh, what a wonderful Tuesday night of soccer. That's all I'm going to say. If you wanted to see goals, you got them last night. We can say much the same thing coming off our last match as well, the 4-4 <laughs> yes. draw with Portland. But were you surprised that it was your the, the Rapids' first road win of the season? Um, very surprised. Yeah, the way they've played it at times on the road, you think to yourself, if they could have just put that chance away, that chance away, that might have put that game in, in a different situation. So, yeah. To wait till this late into the season to have your 100th win, which is a historical win for, for the Rapids to reach that milestone, um, it was a, a bit surprising. But on the other hand, what you saw last night with the willingness to not give up, to fight for 90 minutes, and when you have guys that are game changers coming off the bench like Barrios, um, and again, listen, it was a bold move because – at one point, you're thinking, my, you're thinking to yourself, okay, Lalas is struggling tonight. He's not playing well. At halftime, all of a sudden, they switched formations that went to a back four. Lalas is on the bench, and that group settled down. Yeah, it, it seemed as though they settled down much more in the second half, as you insinuated. Um, let me ask you uh, about a certain center forwards at Colorado Rapids, Marcelo, because a lot was made of this trade from Columbus Crew and when Jassy yep. Zardes moved over to the Rapids. How has he fared? How has he settled in over the last couple of months? Um, listen, when you, when you bring in a designated player like that, national team player, uh, you expect goals. And uh, he's got four goals. He's gotten three under Colorado, one with Columbus. Um, what you don't see is a goal scorer is supposed to score goals. We all know that. But what he brings to the table on the defending side, what he brings as a post-up player, being able to hold balls, flick balls on, and do certain things, I think it's been a good fit for Colorado. Would we like to see more goals from a guy that, that is a designated player who is a big name like Jazzy's artist? Yes, but I think, again, I think it'll come in time. But when you have that, you've also got to have a guy that compliments him well. And when you say that, you look at Rubio with 10 goals this year, he is literally feeding off the fact that teams are double teaming Zardes at times and he finds the space to put them back of the net. 
And that's such a key component. And we, you know, the DPs, the number nines, the goal scoring is the, the point of emphasis, of course, for every team. But as you said, people don't see what else they're doing or how they're yeah. creating opportunities for others. But then it's on those others to put those away. And you see that coming about more and more. You just talked about Rubio, but others as well, that that's going to help, you know, maybe Colorado get above this playoff line. It, it's a confidence thing uh, for this group. Um, when they win a big game, the next game, they don't have a great result. So you kind of kill that momentum. When you have Jazzy Zardes, who's got four goals, you've got Rubio, who's got 10. You got Jonathan Lewis, who has four. Ru and uh, then now you start bringing in a Nicholson, a Barrios. So you start mixing up the scoring. It, it becomes dangerous. Okay. You shouldn't have to score five goals. Let's be honest. You shouldn't have to score five goals to win a game. But the fact that they can do that, it is part of the strength of Colorado with the pace that they have on the outside that opens up a lot of room. Look at Rubio and you'll see this weekend because we play each other. Watch the space Rubio has in between that midfield line and that back line because he's just feeding off and his movement has been absolutely fantastic moving off Jazzy. With, with Rubio then, Marcelo, does he tend to drop a little deeper in between the lines or is he an out-and-out centre-forward in this rapid system? He is a 10, okay? We'll, we'll just go with that. He, he plays in the midfield. They have him in that 10 role. They started off in the, in the beginning yesterday. They had him outside, okay? They played him as a 7-11 jazzy and Rubio were playing as a 7-11 and they had uh, Lewis at 9. Second half, they flipped it around. They threw... Rubio back into the position where he can float and be that second forward with Jazzy and look how much more effective he was trying to find and get in and settling for me settling down the midfield a little bit because his work defensively is ridiculous I don't know if that's something that I would have pegged as a, a hallmark trait of his as far as his work rate defensively but from a defensive standpoint what was the struggle then last night against the Red Bulls, or maybe what's been the struggle defensively for this group this season? The struggle last night, I think that we all know the Red Bulls. They like the high press. They like to win the ball in the final third, and they do that a lot. So the idea was if you put Jazzy and Ruby on the outsides, they had outlets when Lalas got the ball or Viasia's got the ball. They had outlets to dump the ball. And you watch the game, the first three or four balls Lalas gets, he dumps it over the top into Jazzy. So I think that was a problem of getting those two guys into the game more. Once you're able to free up Rubio and, and put him in, and you got to remember yesterday they played a five, two, three and the second half, they went back to what they've been used to over the last three or four games was a four, three, three with two defensive midfielders and Rubio basically orchestrating your Reynoso, our Rubio was orchestrating the movements and the ball and, and the play and the defensive side of the game. Interesting. Uh, every time I've seen Rubio play, when he was at Sporting Kansas City, he was a, an out-and-out centre-forward. And it's interesting that he's been used a different way yeah. uh, for yep. Colorado Rapids. Now, but it, I guess it shows his versatility for sure. Um, well, what of the season as a whole then, Marcelo? The Rapids at the moment, 7-9-6, uh, and 10th in the Western Conference, five yep. points away from uh, Nashville, who are currently occupying that seventh spot in the West. Um, what, what's, what's the overall opinion of the campaign thus far in the camp? Um, average so far, I think inconsistent, um, lack of focus has been a lot of it. And then you can contribute a lot of it to, and let's go back to last year. 
there's no more Cole Bassett. There's no more Sammy Vines. Uh, Dominic Baji's gone. Uh, Trusty's gone. So Kelvin Acosta's gone. Mark Anthony Kay's gone. So you look at that core of players, and they've those are those are some pretty big names from last year to this year. So it's taken them time to understand Robin's system. Max has taken a little longer than expected. Um, Trusty leaving, they thought Viasias would be the guy that fills right in. And I thought he did decent last night. He's getting there. So it's, it's going to take a little time. It's, it's a big transition from one year to the next to lose so many big-name players. So I think right now it's about focus for 90 minutes. And I think you didn't see that last night, but they found a way to put it in the back of the net. But for the last 12 games, it's uh, win at all costs. That's what it's got to be right now. Do you think that Sam Vines has been one of the bigger misses that, that the Colorado Rapids have missed that threat on the, on the left-hand side getting forward, or has Estevez done okay? I think Estevez has done okay, but I think when you have Sammy Vines consistently in there playing, you knew what he can do. He attacked and attacked and attacked and made that very dangerous for Colorado. Um, it takes time because Lucas is a very emotional player. We've all seen this. He goes forward, he kicks, he fights. Um, his crossing is still needs to be worked on because he puts himself in some really good positions, but that final product isn't there. So again, it's like anything else. Uh, you can score as many goals as you want, but we all know that defense is win you championships because you got to be able to hold the other team. And Colorado is trying to, I think, find the right combination. And I think last night, you saw Viasias and, and Danny actually do quite well in the second half together. We're, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon um, and the transfer or trade window for Major League Soccer shuts on Thursday. Um, do we expect the Rapids to, to make any last-minute moves, Marcelo? I, th- I believe they did today. I believe it's the, the kid from Kansas City, the Chilean Gutierrez. I believe his name is. I saw something like that that just came across the Felipe wire. Felipe Gutierrez. This I was. think Gutierrez. Yeah, Felipe Gutierrez has just been picked up from Colorado. So, um, listen, I think it's a good pickup. It's a guy who's very good on the ball. But I still think the biggest weakness, if you look at this group, is a veteran, solid, uh, experienced center back that can lead this group, that can play alongside Danny, that can play along Viasias. Um, if you play five in the back, you can have the other center back. But I think for me, Right now, it's, it's that the key component to fight for that championship that they're looking for is another center back. When you look at this Western Conference, and we talk every year about the parity in this league and the craziness, and it's going to come down to decision day. Yep. Going into the season, did the Colorado Rapids and Robin Frazier think that they were going to be in this position at this point, knowing they had consistency last season? No chance. No chance do you go from getting the most points in the West last year to thinking that you were going to struggle a little bit this year. Almost basically uh, a few changes at the beginning of the year. As the year went on, there were more changes and more uh, trades. But I can't think anybody in Colorado and the franchise and the organization thought that we would be at this position right now. But I'll say what I said last year. I said it on air. Do not take first place. Do not win the West. I know you got CONCACAF, but three weeks as an ex-player, you know that three weeks is not good for you, okay? So I would rather see Colorado fight and get into the playoffs in five, six, seven, four, whatever it is, and play consistently, consistent right after where you're already in rhythm, 
than to have a three-week break. So, listen, uh, again, no one, no one thought that Colorado would be in this position right now uh, leading into, into the last 12 games. I wonder as well, just, just going back to the, the signing of Felipe Gutierrez here, Marcelo, because he, he was a, a very good central midfielder for sports in Kansas City. He's come on yep. loan from um, Universidad Católica in Chile. Yep. Um, I wonder if he allows the Rapids to go a little more direct. And, and what we were talking about earlier on with the, the plan in New York to go into the wide areas, I wonder if, if he'll, he'll be the one that will sit a little deeper, maybe alongside somebody like a Jack Price, and dictate a little bit and, and give the Rapids that option to go a little more direct when they need to. Um. That's a, that's a good question, and only because um, when Jack Price comes back in, Jack Price is going to start. No if, but that's your yep. captain, that's your leader. He is your man. Brian Acosta's had a fantastic year. I mean, you look at the ball he picked off yesterday for the first goal to get Colorado in the game, the ground he covers, the pace he has to get forward. Um, man, I tell you, it, and then do you take Rubio off and you play him as a 10, or do you play – you know what I mean? There's a lot of – variables that you can have I think it's a good option to have off the bench I don't see Gutierrez coming in and being a factor right away only because when Jack Price and Acosta play together they are very good very good playing off each other so I think it's also going to take time a little time for Gutierrez to to be able to understand Robin's system but when he does I definitely see him uh, coming into the game and, and being an impact, but closer towards the playoffs. Last one for me, Marcel, is a little bit more about the broader, the look at um, the Western Conference. On paper, who do you think is the best team? And then in the end of the day, who do you think is going to come out on top in the Western Conference with uh, taken out? Yeah, that's, you know what, it's, that's tough between Austin, LAFC. Um, I got to be honest, watching, watching, LAFC play right now with the confidence they're playing with the joy you can see the joy in their face again not like last year where you can see the just frustration my biggest concern about LAFC is how can you manage the Arango blessing uh you've got Vela and you've got um Bale so Gareth Bale so and you saw the other day when they came off the field, the frustration on two of the players' faces when Gareth Bale came onto the field. So I think that that's going to be the hardest part. But I, I have a hard time thinking who can overtake LAFC the way they're playing right now. It, it's hard to disagree, really, isn't it? When you look at that front three in particular that you just mentioned, Vela, Bale, and Arango as well. Yeah. Marcelo, I couldn't believe, you know, we, we had all heard that the same whispers, those of us in the industry, about Arango being on the trade list yeah. and, and being made available. And I think LAFC were asking for a ridiculous amount of general yeah. allocation money, which, which teams just didn't have after a, a busy uh, off-season window and stuff. Yeah. But I, I can't believe that LAFC were even thinking about getting rid of him because... When, when they press, when he presses individually and they move as a unit, they are so difficult to contain. I, I, I got to be honest. I heard at the beginning of the year some rumors, some rumblings that they were looking for a big-time striker. Right. And then Arango started playing well. I, I have a hard time believing that you would get rid of a player like that. Maybe after the season's over, possibly. But if you put a not a ridiculous price tag. If you put a decent price tag on him, I can guarantee you there'll be 20 teams in this league that are going to fight over that kind of player because it's very tough to find a goal scorer. He is naturally dangerous anywhere around that box. He finds the gaps. He is, he'll sacrifice and slide. 
he'll do whatever it takes to score a goal, almost like Diaz in Seattle. So I, I, I think if they were to get rid of him, I think that that could be a big mistake this year because with a guy like Arango, you can win a championship. He can put that team on his back, especially with the service he's going to get from the wide players. It's, it's my Lord. I, I could even play forward, I think, on that team sometimes. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's refocus uh, on Minnesota, Colorado, shall we, the forthcoming game uh, this weekend. Um, what have you made of Minnesota United this season, Marcelo? What was the thought from an outsider's point of view? Um, it's clicking finally. You've gotten a few players that have clicked. Reynoso's been able to be freed up to play his game. I think Lou dropping into the midfield has been absolutely fantastic um, for what, what Minnesota's doing. So, but uh, again, you know, we, we know that three players are missing this weekend. Helpful for Colorado. If I'm mm. correct, Reynoso can't play. I think Lude is the other one, correct? Is there, and then, uh, and then, and then Boxall Michael Boxall can't correct. play. Yes. Michael Boxall. So um, it does open a door for Colorado. It does open a door because you're not at full strength. But I, I like what Minnesota's done this year. I, I really do. Um, I, I think you're finally being able to see a, a team that's playing with some joy a team that understands the system and where they want to do, but it's like everybody else defensively, uh, defensively, you, you, you struggle. It's like a lot of teams in MLS do. You give up some goals that are just a little, you know, a, a little, a little bit on the lack of concentration, but mm. like we do, you got St. Clair who is absolutely having a wonderful year. Yeah, absolutely. Dane St. Clair alongside Emmanuel Reynoso. Uh, an MLS all-star this year as well, which is always good to see. Uh, just finally then, Marcelo, really appreciate the time. Uh, given the current standing of Colorado Rapids, as we mentioned, 10th in the Western Conference a little earlier on, uh, what defines a good campaign for the Rapids this year? A good campaign as in just the season, how the end of season? Correct. Uh, they got to make the playoffs. That's, that's bottom line. Uh, uh, we've talked about changing the culture of this organization since Robbins come in, and he's done a great job of changing the mentality, the culture. So for me, um, making the playoffs and winning your first playoff game. We haven't been able to do that in the last two years. We get to the playoffs and we lose in the first round. So I think a big step for this group, especially with the a little bit of rebuilding this year, would be making the playoffs and being able to win that first, that first playoff game. And then from there, who knows what will happen, but – they, they, they've got to focus and get into the playoffs this year. Wonderful. Uh, thanks to our very special guest, Marcelo Balboa. As always, a very special thank you to Kendra D. St. Auburn and to you uh, at home for listening. And our expert button presser, Grace Dearson. Uh, you've been listening to The Sound of the Loons, presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. From all of us here, we'll see you on Saturday.